Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So welcome, everybody, to episode four of Macklin's Take. It's uh, mid-afternoon, it's half past four on April the 20th, and we're at the O2 Arena, and we're in David Allen's dressing room. We're just squeezing in a quick podcast before we're on Sky Duty later on. Myself, Matt Macklin, and I'm delighted to say George Groves joins us today as well. George, great to see you. And we will be talking about a number of things. We'll, we'll get into a bit of retirement chat because that's become a bit of a, a, bit of a theme on Macklin's take um, over the last few weeks. Apologies that we didn't manage to do one in Liverpool, by the way. The timings just kind of got away from us. Um, it was a bit of a hectic night. And by, by the time we got off air, it was, uh, it was undoable in the end. Uh, we'll also talk about the situation at heavyweight with Anthony Joshua and Jarrell Miller because that's inescapable, really. Uh, and a couple of other things besides... So, George, first and foremost, newly retired, freshly retired. Um, we've spoken to Tony Bellew about this, um, to Matt, to Spencer. Spencer, obviously, with a very different story, Spencer Oliver. How is it? It's not too bad. You know, for me right now, I'm, uh, I could be very much still in the honeymoon phase, but hopefully it lasts and this is, uh, you know, as happy and content as I am now, it remains and there's no urges to come back. But... Um, yeah, I, I knew, I felt like I knew for a good while that, you know, I was not winding down as such, but um, if something went wrong, if I, if there was another loss that I was going to call it a day, um, I signed into the to the World um, Boxing Super Series and um, that was a great thing for me to give me focus. You know, after finally achieving a world title at the fourth attempt, I needed something to then... Um, you know, keep motivations high. That was that was the thing. It was three fights. It was back to back. It was going to take place within twelve months, and then um, got to the final, uh, lost in the final, but um, yeah, decided to, to to call it a day there uh, in a happy place. Well, that's that's what everybody wants, isn't it? It was interesting. I was with David Hay during the week doing the podcast, and I did say to him off air at one point. You know, when George announced his retirement. He did what you didn't do because you said you would retire at 30 and you didn't manage to do it. Uh, and he's done it. 
he won his world title and he's retired at 30 and I think so long as you don't come back and I really don't think you will <laughs> then you really have he's done it perfectly Matt really I think so I think he uh, he showed great perseverance and character um, I think I tweeted it when it on the day he retired you know great had to have a lot of respect and admiration for the, his journey he'd done it his way uh, and he had his tough times and setbacks but always picked himself back up and kept going, kept going, kept the faith, kept the belief in himself and, and got that world title. And then the World Series of Boxing tournament, Super Series tournament was a, a great thing, I would imagine, for him to kind of keep, like you just said, then keep motivated, uh, big tournament, financially nicely rewarding to get to cash out on that and you're in against the best. So you can definitely get up for it because after a long, hard career of ups and downs, it is difficult to keep picking yourself up and to keep getting motivated but I'd imagine that that was a good tournament because you were in against the best of the best and it was something to kind of sign off on uh, on uh, a great career No it really it really was for me um, I was the first two middleweight to sign in um, in my category and I was really hoping at the time that all the other all the other world champions would, would jump in like the cruiserweights had already been announced the, the lineup, and they had every world title involved and it seemed like you know uh, is going to follow suit um, I ended up being the only world champion to enter but still there was there was some great fights involved in there you know one my biggest um, you know my, my, my biggest win as a world champion against Chris Eubank Jr which really captured the public's imagination which was great for me to go out of a big high you know in the UK you know and you know, after the, the high profile losses to, to Carl Froch you know in the, in the UK so that was great for me obviously I had the final um Maybe a blessing that it was away, hidden away in Jeddah. Not, no one could get to it. Not that many people saw it. Um, I lost, but um, yeah, the, 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 as I said, the, the money was great. Um, you know, the, the accolades were, were great. You know, that final there was I was ranked number one in the world um, at the time. You know, Ring Magazine no, number one. The Ring Magazine belt was on the line. The WBC for a belt in there. It ticked a lot of boxes. Yeah, you know, it really, it really did. It really did. And um, you know, just uh, for me, it wasn't meant to be. But you know, I, I'd, I'd had losses. I'd had to come back from tough situations time and time again. But at this point, I, I the first time I, in my career, I didn't need to, and uh, therefore, I was ready to, uh, to, to, yeah, to definitely call it a day. When it comes to pushing the button on it, though. You've been talking about it for a long time, as you said, and, and you're ready for it because you know you're going to announce it. But then when you do announce it, that's when it really becomes real because all of a sudden we're all over you. The press are all over you. They want to talk about it. You, you probably told your family in the, in the weeks building up. But once you put it out there, it must be quite a strange experience because although you know you're going to say it, until you've said it, you are still George Groves' boxer. And then overnight you're George Groves' former boxer yeah but this is this is your last hurrah you know you and whatever it may be you can't change that so you know when, while you're fighting you can experience the highs the dizzying heights of success and the nauseating loads of like defeat that's what I that's what I had in abundance that was my experience you know um, I boxed on the highest stage in the most high profile fights um, won some lost some um, and you never know exactly what the public's perception of you and reaction to your, to to you know to you is going to be, um, and it drops and changes because it depends on the mood of the general public at the time, where boxing is at that stage. You know, it, it was never a niche sport while I while I've been boxing, but it's 
it's now more than a you know a diehard fan sport. It's you know a casual fan sport. The heavyweight division's thriving. Everyone knows about boxing. You know, there's some there's marquee names out there now. Um, so when it came time to retire, you know, you, I didn't know what the response would be, but fortunately for me, um, it was a great response. Everyone was was happy. You know. Um, I think they respected the decision. Um, the media, um, you know, you, you consider these guys friends. You know, the the press where you've you've seen them, known them, and followed them, and you've poured your heart out to them at times. You know, throughout the years, um, so they, you know, you, they get a grasp of you that you know that sometimes the fans don't get because you know they're in, they're in the moment, they're ringside for the fights as well. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was lovely. It was it was it was beautiful. You know, the response that I got. Um, kind words pretty much from everyone um so you know i i could definitely couldn't complain yeah you met you mentioned there about the honeymoon period and it's funny enough and, and hearing you talk about it, and i remember going back when i retired and i remember that, that day when i announced it was the thursday and my birthday was on the saturday and i went out on the saturday night and it was probably the best night out i'd had in about 10 years <laughs> i think it was well there's some competition uh, there as well yeah. for a night <laughs> because, out because i think i think you know, um, I did a lot of things my own way. I, I fell out with different trainers and promoters, and I moved on and, and things like that. And I think you've all, you maybe not. This wasn't the case, but certainly at times, probably felt like I was against the system or had people against me. Or maybe I just used that to sort of dig in and fuel me. But actually, on the day I retired, when all the kind of um, you know the well done and the respect and the the accolades come in, f- especially from your peers and certainly from some rivals and even people from you know different camps might not have been in your weight division, but you know not necessarily people that you would have spoken to or they weren't really friends, but you you would have known of them and all the kind of yeah the respect and the the accolades come in. It was kind of really nice to to, to feel that. Did you, did you get yeah, that no, as well? Oh, no, definitely. And I think. People change as they get older, you know. That you change, you change as a fighter. You know, um, as you become, you become more and more of a, of a civilian, don't you? As, as your career goes on, as older you get, you inherit uh, more real life responsibilities. You might get married, you might have kids, you start a family, you might get a mortgage. You know, all these additional stresses that you don't have when you're 19 and you're fearless and you're ready, you're ready to dedicate your life to boxing and you know, if, you know literally die in the ring if, if need be that is your mindset but then that slowly eeps away as as time goes on and you do start to become a little bit more human a little less self-centered a li- you know because ultimately the world should revolve around you as a professional and then as soon as that stops that's the time to get out of the sport because it's a ruthless sport you know to, to get the very best and to achieve what you deserve because you're making the sacrifices and also the people around you will be making huge sacrifices for you to pursue your dream um, the second that you know that's not the case no more is the time to walk away from the sport and you will be tempted to come back you know because if you if you don't have something else to occupy your time to to be passionate about to you know if you've spent your whole life trying to be great at boxing and and you know, you go on to fight for world titles, you go on to win world titles, you, you, you've achieved that greatness, then it's like, well, I don't really want that to, to end. I want to go out and be great at something else now. And nine times out of ten, you, you've been so focused on boxing, you don't really, you don't even have any, any other interests, you know. So you've got to be patient, I think, patient enough to put boxing to bed 
and just wait, just wait and see see what captures your imagination. You know, like we're we're lucky if we're going to get you know TV work and 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 just talk about boxing because that is our our release. Like we're we're still now involved in boxing, whether it be you want to be a trainer or a manager or be a promoter if you're that crazy. But the easiest way is to uh, is to jump in and and, and critique critique boxing because you know we got first hand experience. We can tell tell the the public what it feels like. You know that's that's. That has a value, a significant value. And if you manage to be as, as well as as, as Matt is here and articulate yourself properly, then uh, you know you make for a fascinating listen. And I always enjoy listening to you, mate. You know, uh, much more than, than some of the others. So you know, that's 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 a, that's a value. That should be something that you pride yourself upon. And um, yeah, that's your that's your new calling now after boxing. Hey, hey, ki- hey, kids. Hey everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes, it's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! This is so crazy! Well, we were both ringside when you won your world title, and um, it it was honestly one of my... It's right up there in my kind of top favourite... Uh, top five, rather, favourite ringside memories from, from my career so far, because just watching you stand there... And punch and punch and punch as Chudinov wasn't going down, but just keep throwing and throwing and throwing. Uh, I was saying on a podcast a few weeks ago when you retired that if I needed to show a video to any young athlete of what pure desire and determination to win looks like, uh, physically looks like, I would show them that because you knew that was your moment. It was right there in the palm of your hand. I've got to and answer that, Andy, as well. That, that was one of those moments where it's literally... It's a judgment call. I would imagine in George's head, it's a judgment call where he thinks, right, I either keep punching here and I might gas out, or I ease off and, and save a bit of energy, but might regret not seizing this moment more. And this is like, you know, this this is a calculation that you do in mid combination in split seconds thoughts. And it's literally, you know, do I put the foot down and just go for it in here and just give it everything I've got and hope that I get him out of there? Or do I ease back and try and conserve and pace it and regret maybe not seizing this opportunity? I'd imagine that's what yeah, was going no, through I your mean, head. Once you've had, you know, a, a fair few fights and you've, you've, you've gained that experience, that is what, you know... When you're when you're a novice pro, or even a novice amateur, you just you unload and, and empty the tank, and it's um, you know sometimes you can pay the price for it. Um, I'd been in fights as a professional where you know I I'd sort of expended too much energy. I remember I boxed Glenn Johnson way back, you know, one of the, one of the hardest men out there, and I thought I'd buzzed him in the first round. I probably hadn't, and uh, but I just put on a you know a, a big onslaught, it weathered the storm, and then next round he came out just as fresh you know and that happened to be two or three times throughout that fight it was ended up being a good win for me a 12 round win but it was it was a, you know it was a real slog at times um Cole Frotch likewise you know in our first fight I dropped him heavily but now I've got the experience of thinking right don't just empty the tank now you've got that shot that shot's there you just make him walk onto another one catch him and then you know the rounds the rounds are, are, are 
ebbing by and I'm still landing the big shots and he's still in there and then almost like I mean he's a phenomenal he's got phenomenal punch resistance you know like some fighters out there do but almost in, in my opinion sort of punched him numb you know like you've hit you know, I was a little bit more naive. I had a brand new training team. You know, I was it was all right hand happy, right hand over the top. You know, I should have varied the shots. I know that, but um, that was another big experience, another big learning. Um, you know, uh, learning fight for me was that. Uh, you know, did I not seize the moment? You know, so come come tune of fourth time lucky for a world title shot. Uh, the guy was definitely one of the one of the toughest guys I, I've faced. Um, Easy enough to hit, which was um, which was great for me. But I again been in fights like that before, and um, yeah, caught him, buzzed him, had to jump on him at that point. Broken jaw, cut over the left eye. I think um, it was now or never. Um, I'd already signed into the World Boxing Super Series, and so my purse. Uh, I could be aloof about it, so that I don't get in trouble for me but my purse for the Tudinov fight was okay I took I took the B side of the cut because I for the home advantage so Tudinov got a lot more than me but that was well worth it to bring it over here my my purse for the first fight at the World Super Series was 19 times what it was for the Tudinov fight wow that is some stat 19 times if I go in as the number one seed world champion if I lost that fight it would have been half what I boxed Tudinov for Maybe a, maybe a touch less with with a healthy win bonus, but that would be my basic. That was the pressure that I had on me at that point. And I'm thinking, I've been in, I've been in big fights before. I boxed Carl Froch at Wembley Stadium on a percentage of profits. Next, lost that fight. Next fight back, didn't earn enough money to cover camp. You know, I I. Um, it's an incredible game of snakes and ladders, isn't it? Basically, it's amazing how how quickly things can can change. You know, what, you, what was the feeling though when when you did get it done? Because as you say, you went that, for it. You, you know, thought, I've got to put my foot on the gas. I've got to do this now. And then the referee jumped in. Is is it relief? It's more just than relief. jubilation. It's just it's just relief. It's not. I think it's the relief that fuels the jubilation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I it's just I was. I was I was probably the most tiring thing was winning, <laughs> you know, like more tiring than the fight. The fact it was like it sucked all oh, the emotion it's done. out. Yeah. I, thank God for that. I can I can finally rest. You know, like um, imagine you've you gone to you gone to work. You've got a hard day at work, and you're waiting for that that final bell, that you know, that five o'clock to ring, and you're done. I felt like that had been going on since the first Roch fight. I had been, you know, desperate to become a world champion, and and the pressure on it, and I hadn't. I felt like I hadn't taken um, a backward step in terms of pursuing that goal from from that from that second that first fight was announced with with Carl Froch, and um, it probably took years off my career to be honest. It 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 made me made not, me a better person. Not just the not just the, the uh, fights and the spars, but the the emotional journey takes. Yeah, takes you know, a piece like here, we, we, we talk about being. Um, the A side, the B side. You know, my, my entire career, I sort of reveled in, in being the B side, um, but that that is that is consuming. That takes energy. It's it's um it's it's a it's, you know, it's, it's energy feeder. Like it's, it's, it steals it from you. So you know you've always got to be ready for battle. So whether that be to convince you know the press, you know at the the press conference for the James Miguel fight, I was a four to one underdog. I 
I don't understand why I've already beat this man you know but he's Olympic champions he's, so you're putting on a performance for these guys you're putting on a performance for your own team because you want them to believe in you, you for your family at home because you want them to believe in you and um, that went on my entire career because once, once I beat De Gale you know then um, Carl Froch sort of stepped into the limelight he was you know the, the, the darling of British boxing at that time he was he was the the biggest star in you know the matchroom stable and on Sky Sports, so I had to contend with that. Obviously, lost that, and then essentially probably probably being a little bit bitter about it and 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 gutted. And don't think I ever felt sorry for myself, but just angry, you know, like frustrated. Um, didn't get the you know didn't get the win against Badu Jacka in Vegas where we got because it went under the radar it was in the States but we just got messed about so much for that fight um, I w- again probably wasn't wasn't right on the day lost the split decision and that that performance when you look at what Jack has gone on and done since then actually that's probably one of those performances that doesn't that's gone unnoticed really or doesn't yeah, get the yeah, credit it I deserves mean, I mean even even to, to me like I'd, I'd, I'd studied Badu Jack but I'd, I'd, I didn't think he did anything particularly exceptionally well um, you know he, he didn't have world class power or world class strength or world class hand speed or, but he was just a real great all round fighter and it turned out to be a, a two weight world champion you know he's, and he's um, a lovely guy as well you know uh, but he was one of the only real fighters to emerge from that uh, Mayweather stable at the time under, under the Mayweather promotional banner and um, he's gone on to do to do great things I'm not sure if he's still going to box he had that that loss recently and that horrific injury, but um, he, uh, yeah, <laughs> he was not bad fire. Oh, good fire, man. Well, these are things you don't have to worry about anymore. You don't have to worry about who's beating who. Uh, just have to keep up with it um, so that you can you can chime in and, as you say, take take your role in a in a media capacity. And on that note, let's broaden this out a little bit. Uh, the biggest news this week, by distance, of course, was the collapse of the fight between Anthony Joshua and Jarrell Miller. There's no need to get into specifics. People listening to this will know what's happened. They will know that there have been numerous things that have come out over the last few days. Unbelievably, just as I was mid-sentence there, uh, Aureliano, uh, Aureliano Sosa, who was Gerald Miller's co-trainer, just popped his head through the, the door of David Allen's dressing room away to my right-hand side as we were dis- discussing his man because he's here with Nikita Ababi. That fight's not happening. You two have both been around boxing for... A very long time and my take on this is that when someone is caught that's a good thing we should celebrate it really it doesn't cast the sport in a brilliant light but let's be realistic sport isn't clean no sport is boxing is included in that so it's a good thing when people get caught but at the same time it's, it's a aftermath. bit depressing isn't it it's the, well, and it's the aftermath that it causes now you've got However many tickets, thousand tickets sold in Madison Square Garden, how many flights, hotels booked, uh, promoters, TV networks all planning uh, the event. They're probably, they're probably planning the, the next move after this all going well. And it just throws everything into, into chaos, really, because now they've got a limited amount of time to find a credible opponent that's ranked, that's clean, that passes everything. Uh, and that's sellable, uh, to, both from a, a gate point of view and also from a, a TV uh, viewing figures point of view so it, it's um, it, I won't say it's a good thing I, I understand what you're saying it is a good thing that the, that someone's cheating has been caught 
but it, it's just sad that it it, it it goes on at all. And I know it's you, we can't be naive and pretend it doesn't, but it's just it's quite alarming that he's failed three tests for three different subjects. It's just and and that he felt that he was going to get away with it. So you're, I mean, you're assuming that he, he he's done this before. And it's just, it, that's scary that he was willing enough to do it. Knowing what he was going to lose if he got caught, that shows you how confident he was of not getting caught. I mean, away from the particulars of the, of the Miller case, George, just, just generally, how big a problem do you think it is across boxing, doping, juicing, whatever you want to call yeah. it? Yeah, uh, big problem. Real big problem, I think. If you go through the list of Andy Joshua's next possible opponents... Guarantee you, most of them have been tested positive for something at some point, then haven't, you know. Um, and then it's a it's a real fine line um, between, you know, what's what's right and what's wrong, you know. In that, what what your what's acceptable to take, you have. But it's but it's plain and simple. Just stay on top of what's on the banned list and what's not, you know. Because if you're going to be a cyclist and you're going to cheat. Or you're going to be a, a track athlete and cheat, you know. There's obviously a, it's it's cheating, it's wrong, and there's a lot of repercussions. But in a combat sport, you could seriously hurt someone, you know. You and how how could you live with yourself after that? You know, it's not just about finance and accolades. It's about you know health and safety as well. And um, it's uh, I, I think that I think there should be tougher sentences and, and zero tolerance on, on that sort of thing. Absolutely. Because, you know, sometimes there might be some genuine cases, you know, um, where someone's taken something, you know, out of sort, so they haven't quite declared stuff properly. Because I, that was my worst fear, actually, while I was boxing, was that I would accidentally test positive for something. So I wouldn't take nothing, you know. When I remember I, I dislocated my shoulder in the Chris Eubank um, fight, um, I was in absolute agony. I was in the changing room. I was waiting to get shipped off in the ambulance. Um, I was I was starting to... The, the adrenaline was wearing off and uh, I was starting to sort of shake and that. I was gasping for a drink, but there wasn't a sealed bottle of water in the room and I wouldn't drink anything just in case uh, someone had spiked some sort of drink there and, and it would turn out I test positive. Or I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even take a drink off my wife just in case, you know, she had put some dodgy lipstick on that day or something that was because you know yeah, you that's the level of know. paranoia that, that is the level of paranoia that creeps in I mean myself there similar thing just terrified of taking anything well what's in that What? let me see, check send me the list of what all the ingredients then I'd send that on to Tomas Rowan who was working for Brian Peterson Management and I'd get him to literally check the whole list yeah. to see if I could take it yeah I mean I I, I, I missed I missed the drugs test um, for the like you do a Post post fight drugs test we did uh, for the tournament. I had to do one with UCAD and with uh, Vada for the for the World Boxing Super Series uh, because I went straight into um, surgery, like basically shipped off ambulance. But didn't do that. They showed up at my door Monday morning. I'm still kind of zoned out of this, and I'm and I'm frantically on the phone trying to find out what 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 they put inside me. While you know to, to put you asleep, you know for the operation, just to pop my shoulder back in, in case something like that is 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 a um, is a banned substance, you know, because for me it would be just just 
the worst thing in the world you know like I mean there's obviously people that are out there and are actually doping you know and they, they're trying to throw caution to the wind or they they, they, they you know there might be guys out there that are doping and they, they are clever enough to get away with it you know they know how to cycle it properly they know when they're going to get tested when they're not but I think as soon as you turn professional you should be on you should be on the list for, for doping because it seems like now um, you only you have to get to like world title level to be generating enough money to afford the drug testing but if you just turn pro and they just sign up take your details and you're you're signed in for a random drug test I promise you it puts so many young fighters off um, cycling illegal um, substances early on in their career to reap the benefits of them later on when they're um, when they're then going to start getting tested and start being in, you know in, in contention for, for major fights so um it's going to cost a lot of money, um, but every experience I've had with any anti-doping agency, they've been th- thorough. They've been um, they've had great integrity, um, and they, they they provide a great service. And you know, I've always been clean. I, I've, I've never boxed anyone who's who's tested positive. And you know, we've all got we've all got families at home. We've all got you know people that that care about us and don't want don't want us to be in a in any sort of serious injury. Um, in a fight and how could you ever forgive yourself if uh, you've caused serious injury and you've cheated because you've taken an illegal substance well something that's always interested me about it is it is the kind of the mentality of people who are prepared to to do it who can square that with themselves and decide that they want to do it because there are two ways of looking at it to an extent in terms of their outlook there's an amorality there uh, for a start, I would say, I don't think anyone could really argue with that for all the reasons that you've just outlined. Some people look at the likes of Armstrong, for example, not in a combat sport, so it is a bit different, but they look at him and, and for a lot of people, he's the epitome of someone who is incredibly driven and focused and win at all costs. But to take it in the first place, there's got to be a deep lying lack of self-belief there because you're admitting, I can't compete without this. I have to do this. Well, I mean... With the cycling, from what I remember reading up on at the time when it came out about Lance Armstrong, uh, one of the other one of the cyclists from the Tour de France, and all, I can't remember who it was, but he he said something like, "You know, if you if you're not juicing, you may as well not even race because literally, the the, ne- the next fifteen after." Lance Armstrong were all juicing as well. Yeah, well they, was, they were all they were taking something EPOs like that, where you, right. and they couldn't test for it at the time, so. Lance Armstrong was the best athlete in the world um, who was juicing because actually everyone else was as well. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It's, it's that, that was the facts at the time. Um, I think it was, and it's his, his behavior that's gone with it, you know, his flat out denial and the fact that he was, you know, a cancer survivor and he really caught people's imagination. But for the sake of cycling, they, they hung him out to dry as a martyr when actually everyone else was at it. But, I feel like there's more variables in boxing because it's not first past the past the post, you know, first over the line, you know, um, talent, commitment, dedication, um, work ethic. All these things play much more of a uh, of a role than you know performance enhancing drugs can, you know. And there were things like where you, you can push, you can push the boundaries. But as long as long as it's been deemed legal, then then it's ethical and, and you can get away with it. So I'll have a double espresso before sparring because it livened up my brain and I'll have a better spar. But I saw no harm, no foul, you know, because 
it's a coffee. Do you know what I mean? The coffee's not a banned substance. You know, if I if I'm um, gonna go, for some fights, I'd try and water load, but it never really worked. But I'd try and up intake, uh, get my intake of water as much as possible so that I could dry out the night before. Um, really, all that really meant was that I was naturally lighter on the scales, even though was getting a heavy weight because it was just full of water you do a session instead of losing two kilos in a training session you're losing four kilos in a session then all of a sudden you've made the weight a bit easier but really you're just a better athlete that time round. so you, again you're within the rules you know but if you're going to take a synthetic drug to improve yourself I just I just can't that just don't sit right with me Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. I threw Armstrong out there just as the example, really, of the kind of figurehead of, 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 of cheating in, in world sport. What I was trying to get at a little bit more is that you are just admitting, aren't you, if you, if you need to do this, that, that you feel you need to do this, that you cannot compete with, with, with elite athletes, that you cannot box at elite level if you're deciding to try and gain this kind of unfair advantage. Um, so by that rationale, you do not belong there because you don't have the same mentality uh, as the likes of the two of you had, uh, and Carl Froch had, and, and any number of fighters. Yeah, you don't believe in There's your a deep lying insecurity there. You don't believe in yourself enough to just go out there with everything you've got. You're looking for help elsewhere. I mean, everyone's trying to train as hard as they can to get the best sparring in, to be the best they can be. But if you're knowingly taking a banned substance, which is proven to you know, be performance enhancing, then yeah, you, you, there's something lacking in your... Self-belief department, definitely. And how about the... You talked about paranoia earlier on uh, and the paranoia that you had, even though that you, you were clean about, you know, what can I take, what can't I take? The paranoia that must plague you if you're cheating and you know you are, I mean, it must be off the scale. I'm, I'm not really sure how people do it. I mean, it I mean, must you would, take a particular type of person so. <laughs> to be doing this. Um, well... I'd imagine for some they can they can just do it and they don't really have a conscience, but I'd imagine with others they do, and it's probably really not even worth it. The benefit they get from physically might be counteracted by the the mental um, deficiencies that it'll give them because they're so they're so hung up about it. Not to say that that equalises it, but yeah, I mean sometimes uh, taking a, a performance enhancing drug it's just because it's the the easy way out. They're not really. It's just because it it just allows them to be a little bit lax elsewhere. So if they're going to take, you know, something's going to help them lose weight, it's because they're not sticking to the diet like they should be, or they, you know, they're not getting enough sleep because sleep helps you burn off fat, or they're not getting enough sessions in, or they're they're skipping out, you know, uh, a cardio thing when it, you know, when when that always helps with their fat burning, or if they just want to, you know, any any <laughs> any sort of. Performance I think a lot of old. Be. I think when you see a lot of older fighters that are, I mean, you're 30 years old, George, and I'd imagine you feel different than when you were 25. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was 33 when I retired, and I certainly was on the decline from when I was 30, definitely. And you know, when you see guys who are in their mid and even late 30s suddenly performing better than they ever have, and not just because they're a bit craftier, but because they're actually 
bouncing around in the 12th round better than they ever were. You know, alarm bells are ringing when I see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got to be honest, I've never, I've just, my my, my way around um, performance and hazard drugs was fingers in ears and make sure I don't touch any of it. So I don't really know exactly how all the stuff works. I know bits and pieces, usually from other public, you know, scandals that have sort of come out from other athletes. But it seems like lots of stuff they're taking you know, testosterone, you know, te- is natural. Do you know what I mean? Like, we naturally produce testosterone, but they just want that bit more. So it seems like it's getting more and more clever, you know, more and more clever, that the stuff that's coming out, and it's becoming even harder and harder to detect. So just stay away from it. Just, just absolutely stay away from it. And um, just 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 rely on yourself, you know, and believe in yourself. And then, and, you know, at the end of it all, you can say, right, well, this is what I achieved all on my own because of, everything I put into it and it'll be that much more sweeter I promise you if, if you've had to work hard for something you'll appreciate it that much more if you took an easy way out then you know was it was it really worth it in the first place so I, I don't know I don't know it's easy for me to say that now you know finished finished boxing um, but while I was fighting um, as I say I, it, it, it could, I couldn't think of anything worse than um even just trying to be clever or cute and taking something, you know, um, if it's because uh, uh, there's. Sorry, no, I was going to say the, an, an interesting point that you kind of alluded to earlier, but then we moved on to something else. I mean, you were involved in a in a, in a very yeah, it was a tragic fight with Edward Gutnick. I know he's alive, but it's you know tragic circumstances. That man will never be the same again. You're a clean, fair athlete, you to the best of your ability, and you fought as hard as you could on the night, and it was just tragic what happened. But had you, and I know that's probably something you think about all the time. I've read things you said that you don't, there's not, you know, there's not a week that goes by that you don't think about that man. But had you been on juice or gear or whatever you want to call it, steroids or performance enhancing drug which pushed you on and made you hit harder, how would you feel today? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, exactly. And, uh, you know that that came that that uh, that fight came later on in my career. I'd already you know um, had some 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 low points, you know, through through high profile losses and stuff like that. But um, you know, it's it you realise that this is not what I got into boxing for. Do you know what I mean? You know, you, you dream you dream you dream of knocking people out as you're growing up, and you still want to do that now, but. You never think about, yeah. I hope they get up. You know, when you when you, when you when you're 16 years old, but then you're older, you're more mature. You got, you know, so I got by that point. I had a, I had a family. I had, I had a, a son. Um, I see I see Eddie that week. Um, he was over. He's got, I know he's got three kids. Um, he was over with his brother, his dad, um, and just a, just a nice guy. And what what was kind of, I don't think it doesn't really make much of a difference, but. It's that it was almost like unnecessary in that I was already like it wasn't a fight. It was a fight for the f- to a keep busy fight. To be honest, it was keep busy fight. I, I was mandatory. I beat uh, Martin Murray, and then I was I was trying to trying to get a world title shot over the line. It was taking longer than we had hoped, so we had another fight, and um, and then that happens. And it's like, oh, you know, but I could, you know, if if, um, if that result had come because of um, you know, something unfair. Uh, then, yeah, it's just not worth it. Well, let's leave that one there. 
uh, and move on to a different subject. And the very best of luck to to Amir Khan against Terence Crawford, by the way. The reason we're not talking about that is because this is Saturday afternoon. I won't have put this out until about midweek, so that fight will have happened. Um, I hope it went well for him, but that's why, in case you're wondering, that we haven't ended up discussing that. Another fight coming up, though, and one which is fascinating to me because it involves a man who is quite rapidly becoming um, a point of fascination for me. It's Anthony Yard who is going to be stepping in with Sergei Kovalev in in early June, we do believe. And his trainer, Tundi Ajay, has had some interesting things to say during the course of the week. He even managed to drag you into it at one point. I mean, it's all very tongue-in-cheek because I went down to the Peacock to see him a few weeks ago for, for the podcast. And I said this to David Hay during the week, uh, George, and I just wonder whether what they're doing strikes any kind of chord with you because you've got two guys there, a lot of trust in each other, a lot of confidence in what they're doing, dividing some opinion. Um, not everybody sees it from their point of view, shall we say. Not wildly different to David Hay and Adam Booth, yourself and Adam Booth. It's that kind of... Do you see what I mean? It's that kind of dynamic almost, isn't it? Yeah, I- I heard a lot about the interview, and I, I haven't quite got around to watching it because I do actually want it when I when I get hold of it. And then sometimes, sometimes you say things, and they 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 strike a nerve. I remember um, my career. That's what I used to try and do. You know, I know I'd say things, and I know there'd be a big backlash. I know people won't like it, they won't accept it. But if I can strike a nerve with the right person, and there's an element of truth in there somewhere. Then uh, it was all well worth its well worth his while, and it seems like he's uh, to be set upon uh, the vast majority of the, the boxing, the boxing um, public with um, you know of late. But you know maybe maybe he just wanted to get something off his chest before this before this this Kovalev fight. Um, Yard is a is a very good fighter. Um, Step up for him now with Kovalev, but is he is this the right fight at the right time? Um, has Kovalev got anything left? Is you know we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I I I, uh, I appreciate that, that, that they're making this move right now. Uh, I think he definitely backs his fighter, and um, it's, this is this is the right fight for them at the right stage where you know it's it's that tough, it's that learning fight against someone who's been at the highest level and. Um, We'll see how he, got, how, he, how he comes out of it. In, in terms of the psychology of what they're doing, though, I do find it interesting because you were really good at this, uh, and other fighters have been accomplished at it too. Is and listening to you talk about it there, saying that you would think about things that you would say, and, and maybe sometimes you think, yeah, I went a bit strong with that one, didn't seem to get the reaction I quite wanted. Maybe just just take it down a notch with them, but I could definitely get to him. Would you kind of fine tune it? Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. He, yeah, you know, um, 
So, for for example, with, let's take with, Frotch with for Cough example. Frotch, right. So, um, he was at. I knew he was at a stage where he he was feeling really good about himself, and he kind of wanted everyone to follow suit. He felt like this was his time. Um, I wasn't really prepared to play that game with him. I wanted to. Uh, I, w- I was ready for a fight, you know. So I was gonna, I was gonna be on him. If he said something funny, said something silly, said something stupid, I was gonna pull him on it. I was gonna jump on him. Was where he would go, and then um, we done the first fight, and uh, the build up. I was I was very happy with Joe. Um, I had my own personal issues going on. You know, I just split with the, with the haymaker camp. I had to find a new trainer, a new place to train. You know, I had uh, legal proceedings with with Adam Booth at the time. Um, so I was seeing solicitors, and we had a board hearing, which didn't go my way, and stuff like that. So it, it was like me versus the world at that point. Um, and I come really close in that first fight, and then. It, and then it went on. Uh, the second fight, um, you know, I became the showman and the salesman. I was, you know, doing this, doing that, still trying to push his buttons. By that point, um, about probably three, four weeks in, in, into the build-up of that fight, he just disappeared. So he started seeing a sports psychologist who was giving him the right instructions. Said, Leave "Don't engage. Alone. Don't engage." You know, so. I was doing my own thing. I'd be doing it, thinking about this, thinking about that, and then always I remember frotching. I'd try and have a nudge, and I wouldn't get a reaction. Oh, he's, even even by him not raising raising to you know my goading at times, I felt like he'd won. So it's like I come away with a loss and think right. You smart, put yourself clever, in that arena, don't you? It, it, it's yeah. not. It's not. It is win or lose I mean, because start, if you try and it doesn't work, then that's a, like you say. That's a, that's a different. Well, psychological warfare going on, and I think you it, you you. you Rang rings around him in the first one, and yeah. I think the second one he Were realized. You surprised at how well it went for the first one because I'll never no, forget I'm, I'm watching. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> no, I know. But I'm pretty good at it. No. It, it, it went it's better no, than you could ever you know, imagine. Sometimes, surely. sometimes it's. I think he did the right thing though, just not to engage the second time uh, around. Absolutely, hundred percent. That was that was that was all he could have done because um, for, for for a guy who's clever and can speak well. Um, he has a couple of Achilles heels, which I was aware of, and I just knew how to flick those switches, and and that was it. He he, he just lost the plot, and um, that was that was just fantastic for me. I mean, that that's what made it pleasurable. That and that is the that's the best thing about having a rivalry. Really. How did you know that you could flick those switches though? That, that's what I, that's well, what I'm trying to get at. Is that well, you you just you, you see you me fight down traps, the years. I mean, you watch watch me fight. I'm a, I'm a counter puncher. No, I'm an aggressive counter puncher. I'm trying to I'm trying to lure you in. I want you to I want you to punch so that I can uh, I can hit you. Um, and it's the same in the build up. Same in the build up. I throw a few feints. <laughs> I jab him a few times and see see what he comes back with. And uh, you know, as I say, this, the the first the first press conference for Wembley Stadium, we announced the fight. I think that was when I got the Rubik's Cube out. Um, he was still ready, ready, ready for the confrontation. He was still bitter about, um, you know, the backlash that he got from the first fight. Um, that was probably the, the bit that, 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 that made him seek seek help, you know. And this is, it wasn't a taboo subject back then, but it well, it didn't have the um, the momentum that it's got now, mental health, men, you know, uh, male mental health, you know, you know, it's, it's, since since Fury, Fury's become a, become a hero because he told everyone he, he was depressed, you know, and of course he was depressed, uh, but he's become like he's more than a cult hero now, you know, uh, and then he's been playing more since. So, uh, but back then, you know, I, I was never going to make fun of him for seeing seeing a sports psychologist, but in my eyes, at that stage of my career, I saw that as as another win. Is that right? Well, you know, see, I, 
So if if if, it, if I can get him to bite and he's still seeing this guy, then 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 it's over. I, I, it's a done deal. Um, I, don't, I think I gave up. I gave up trying to push, um, and he 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 didn't he didn't really rise to it, um, and that was that. But the, the original point I was going to say is that after that fight. There was one line that I, that I knew I could drop, and I knew everyone would turn on me instantly. It's like I'm still better than Cole Froch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but you got knocked out in Wembley Stadium, eighty thousand people in on a bus, out on an ambulance. Da, 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 da. I was like, yeah, but I, I'm still better than Cole Froch. You know, I didn't win the first one, but I was battering him. Second one, you know, I got the. You know, now later on, years later, I can admit game plan was wrong. You know, starting slow, trying to build into the fight was wrong, and all these other things, but. Even then, I was pretty much controlling the fight. You know, I can't remember how the judges had it, but I was doing all right. And even right up to the, I was gaining momentum right up to the point where I got ironed out. You know, uh, so I knew after that, after that fight, I think I left it one or two fights after that where I said it was, it was, a, it was like an eye film interview or something like that, and I just said I'd been. That's that's probably my biggest weakness is that um, I have to say what's on my mind to a certain degree. I can't. I can't. I can't put up with the rubbish. Do you know, I, I can't do the fakeness. All my everything. Everything I say. I think people is like that. Yeah, you know, I, I hope so. I hope so. It has it has a value to a certain amount because then there's other people out there that they sort of they uh, they have an element of fraud. Do you know, like I, I I'll never text Cole Froge like um, before our fights and say, "All right, mate." Um, we're gonna have this big fight. We'll have a bit of banter later, um, and then come out and uh, screaming and shouting, tip the table over, uh, call him this, call him that, push him. Everything was genuine, you know. But there's lots of fighters out there who have these manufactured rivalries that ain't genuine. And then afterwards, straight after the fight, it's kiss and cuddle. Oh, you know, it's a... it took years for me to. It took years for me to come here today. I suppose to uh, to, to 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 have a pleasant conversation with Coffee and him as well. I'm sure he'd admit that because. It's it's it, oh, it was real. It's it was real, and it, it's, it's it's there. You know, it's it's um, it's kind of what makes it all worth it to a certain degree. But um, that that is that is what 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 I love about boxing. You know, I love the authenticity of it because ultimately it is like no other sport um, in that it's civilized to a certain degree, but it's it's combat. It's one man punching another man. You know, and that's why you get excitement. Um, and all these other, all these other, uh, f- you know, uh, attributes and, and feelings in, in sport, but nothing will compare to boxing because of the emotion involved in it. You know, it sounds like that might be what you'll miss most. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist, but if I'm going to do something, I want to do it. I want to do it good. I want to do it well. I want to do it great. And um, as my career went on, as I got older, and as I say, life. Know, the other things became more important to me than boxing. Like my family is f- f- far more important to me than boxing is now. Um, it takes its toll in that it becomes even harder and harder to become, you know, your your finite best. And um, well, it's like Rocky Three, isn't it? You become civilized. Civilized, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Rock. Yeah. You're civilized. You know, you're not as hungry and anymore. You, you, you become civilized. It's, it's true. It's just. It's like if a camp was going to take six weeks, six weeks of absolute dedication, then you're like, that's okay. But that's what it is when you're 23. Now it'll be, right, I need 
10 months <laughs> of absolute dedication. It's like, nah, I can't be bothered with that. Well, I run off, you know, 10 different reasons why. And um, none of them are specifically boxing related or even to do with me. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss this. I'll be part of that. And um, that's, I think, why I won't miss boxing because I, it, it takes so much effort to be the best you can be and that's the only thing that's just worth it for me I wouldn't want to be a subpar me I'd never come back in a few years and not be as good as what I was previous in fact I'd only come back if I'd be better and I don't think I'll ever be better and for that reason you wouldn't fancy rather than the kind of physical arena of it entering that battle of wits that you need if you're going to be a manager or promoter yeah so, yeah well I mean I, I, I am no I am I'm, I mean there's some adrenaline and some and some and some juice to be had there isn't there yeah you know uh, you know the, the 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 TV work the the radio work uh, when it comes along if it comes along ad hoc that's that's great fun that's that's lovely to be a part of it indulges your 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 boxing um, you know juices and uh, but I feel like my my next passion will be to be managing like um so the the media agents I had Wasserman um they took care of all my commercial deals while I was fighting and then at the end they sort of took over a little bit of the manager side of things they helped negotiate the contracts anyway, they they've got now a proper division where they they take care of fighters um and I've come on come on board with them as a consultant so you know I'm I'm the first um first guy there who is an ex-fighter who has first-hand experience of what a fighter's going through what they're thinking what they're feeling what you know what's coming next what path they should take you know what um what the pitfalls they should look out for um they're, they're, they're predominantly you know they're a big sports agency they've got lots of different lots of different sports um but they, they're having a real real run at boxing now they're their highest profile client at the moment is uh Jarrell Miller, <laughs> who's um, obviously uh, not boxing in, in June now. So um, they took over working with him the last few months, last six months. They got they got him a sensational deal with the zone, and um, you know, but they're not they're not they're not involved in in the the, the boxing and training side of things. So um, that's like something like, that's a steep learning curve, and so saying like this is always going to be out of your hands. But I'd love to. Yeah, to have a little battle in, in that in that in that arena one day. Well, now preferably uh, with you know navigating young prospects to achieving their their dreams, their goals, you know, winning world titles. Okay, well, I think we'd better leave it there because yeah. we need to leave you enough time to get something to eat and uh, and get changed because we're all needed before too long. George, it's it's been an absolute pleasure chatting, and uh, we'll see you again on uh, on Sky G Two. I'm absolutely sure of that. Um, I. Uh, I'm confident in your abilities as a pundit, uh, to, to put it to put it mildly, uh, Matt. Yeah, likewise. We'll be back. We'll be back fairly soon. Always difficult to say exactly when the next Macklin's take will be, but that you know, it's always better to leave the people wanting more. I think, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> and we're, we're, like you say, this all kind of came about just you know, we we're, were meeting up regular working for Sky. Should we do a podcast? There was no real. Uh, well, Frotch was actually he he was he was penciled in for today, and then in, in true fashion he arrived. And then don't say I stole Frotch's spot because he'll <laughs> you go did, mad. You actually did. He yeah. will go absolutely you, you mad. You actually did. You did steal Frotch's spot. You think someone was trying to keep Sky job? I'm sure, but uh, no, I was just I'm just here for the yeah. 
<laughs> okay, great. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Matt. Um, yeah, we'll be back soon, and I hope you enjoy this one. We're up on iTunes now. It took me about a month, about a month to make that happen. That technology is not my strong point, but I, I think I've pretty much got us to where we need to be now. So, yeah, give us a rate. I think that's something that you can do. Um, I hear other people say that on their podcasts, so I thought I'd probably better say it on ours as well. Uh, and we'll catch you again next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.